So the quiz did extremely well during the holiday season. A lot of people were using it. I think it appealed particularly a lot to male who are, you know, needing more help in um, selecting what they think their partner wants. What's up and welcome back to Cart Overflow. I'm your host, Gen Furukawa, and that's Tina Chang, the founder of Capsule Jewelry. Now, personalization is where the puck is going. But personalization in marketing is one thing, something that I'm very fascinated by and learning a lot about. But it's very different when your whole brand revolves around personalization. And that's what Tina is doing with Capsule. Everything is made to order. Tina has cracked the code of mass customization, which seemingly is an oxymoron, but she does it. And she shares how she's doing this, the operations behind the scenes, the marketing aspect of it. Like, for example, how she's getting customers to the right product as quickly as possible. And how she's managed to grow with a fully remote global team. Tina's on the cutting edge of creating truly one-of-a-kind products. These are products like, for example, the wave of your voice or your own handwriting. And it's fascinating to learn about. So, with that said, let's get into it. Tina, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really excited because what you're doing, I think, is really cool. And I think it's at the forefront of where e-commerce trends are going. And what I'm talking about is personalization and mass customization. So I'm wondering if you could even just start with a high-level overview of what Capsule is and how you arrived at this as an opportunity. Sure. So I'm the founder of Capsule. We're a tech-enabled jewelry platform that makes customizing jewelry faster, easier, higher quality, and more accessible to everyone. So prior to founding Capsule, I've been a serial entrepreneur, and um, Capsule is actually the sixth company I've either ran as um, a founder or C-level executive. And um, I was actually the chief operating officer at another customized jewelry company called Coordinates Collection. And that's where I learned a lot about the jewelry industry. And, um, and to be honest, you know, like I actually haven't been this excited about a business since my first business, which was a nightclub. So, (laughs) so, so I was excited primarily from the margin perspective and, you know, just the overall industry economics, you know, jewelry is a massive industry, you know, globally $300 billion still has very high margin um, because it's very fragmented and um, just has a lot of um, potential for innovation because, you know, like the technology for designing, making jewelry, even buying jewelry really hasn't evolved much at all. So it was a perfect industry to, you know, really disrupt with technology. And, but I have to say the main impetus for me to leave and launch my own brand was really working with a male boss who didn't understand uh, why women like jewelry, want to buy jewelry or what styles to wear. And um, you might be surprised to find that, you know, it was, I found out that, you know, the jewelry industry is actually 90% male dominated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So from, you know, manufacturing, I don't know if you've ever, you know, work with any like fine jeweler They tend to be older male artisans. And uh, even with just, you know, supply chain management and ownership, it's mostly male. So I feel really passionate about, you know, leaving and launching a brand that's led by female for females. Sure. Now, so you mentioned that Capsule is tech enabled. And so as I interpret it, that means basically like you're... <clears throat> you're creating moments like capsule is about capturing moments. It started with your daughter and and I'm I'm a dad too of a young daughter. So I know how fleeting those moments are. So you're you're creating jewelry to capture those moments. But now what it's evolved into is whether it's 
uh, custom handwriting or the, the sound waves of a voice. And so it's, I would upload something, either use your, your fonts or your preset designs or create my own with the upload. And then you're actually 3D printing that, whether it's a ring, a bracelet, an earring, right? Correct, correct. So we're really using technology to innovate on supply chain using 3D printing. So 3D printing has traditionally been used in jewelry for prototyping, and that's not new. But I think we're probably one of the only brands that's using it for production, for mass customizing production. So how it works is you can upload a unique handwriting. A lot of people send in like holiday cards, even like passports in some instances for, you know, people who's past. And that's probably like the only thing that they can find with their handwriting. You can also record a sound wave and, uh, and we will, you know, cat that out. Each piece is, you know, computer aided design. And then we 3D print a one-time use wax mold versus a traditional metal mold <clears throat> for much cheaper. <clears throat> and um, it's also biodegradable. So, and, and then we further, we, we batch the molds to be cast, polished, and plated at the same time to further re increase efficiency. Because for custom jewelry, it's traditionally only for fine jewelry because the upfront customization cost is so high. So it doesn't make sense to you know do it in a cheaper metal like brass or sterling silver. You can only get it in fine jewelry, like an engagement ring or a solid gold. But for me, because we're 3D printing the mold and batch casting, since we have dramatically reduced upfront customization costs, we're able to cast it in a more affordable metal, such as brass and sterling silver, and thereby like bring the overall customizing process um, and cost down a lot. Yeah. So yours, it, it might, an average order value might be somewhere around $150, but like say coordinates collection, like what would their price point be? Or what are some of the alternatives that you're competing against and where they're at price-wise? Yeah, so I would say customizing jewelry is kind of like a dichotomy. It's either like really um, cheap on Etsy and those uh, pieces are typically just cut out from a thin piece of metal stamped out. They're not made like, you know, other jewelry that are, you know, cast and cast in, uh, cast by mold. So it's not like 3D, it's typically just like a very flimsy metal. But our price point, I think are like really good in, in the sense that compared to the cheap jewelry, which may be like 40 to $60 or $150. But to make that typically uh, you would have to spend upwards of like $800 because you typically can't get that made in brass or sterling silver. Mm, got it, okay. Now. About the the actual like positioning of it, and I'm not that familiar with jewelry, even buying in person, I, I really haven't done that much uh, at all. But I'm curious, with direct-to-consumer selling it online, I would think that conveying the value of it, the touch, the feel, the weight of it is very difficult. So for me to perceive the difference of, say, a 40 to $60 necklace mm -hmm. versus a capsule $150 necklace, to understand that, and where that difference in money is and how it translates to value might be hard. So I'd love to learn a little bit about how you work on the product positioning, whether it is the product photography or the testimonials or the, the copy itself. What are you doing to convey the value of Capsule and how it differentiates from the cheaper low-end stuff? Sure. That's a great question. It's something that we're constantly working on improving. So right now we do have a, our process page that really details out the process where, you know, you upload a screenshot of your handwriting or a sound wave, and then our 
team of CAD designers are CADing it out. And then there's like this 3D printing process. And, and then afterwards it's actually very like handcrafted. So it's really like fine craftsmanship at made accessible. But what we're working on now is really showing more of the behind the scene in videos. So recently I asked one of my CAD designer to do a screen record of his process. And it's actually so cool, you know, to see them doing it. And I mean, it's like a time-lapse video and it was mm. like four minutes long. So it probably took him like 40 minutes, you know, just to cat this piece out. And uh, a lot of people actually think we're like copying and pasting, copy and pasting the handwriting. It's not like that at all. I mean, it's actually a very like artistic process where we are actually hand tracing out the entire sound wave or a handwriting. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So he, he creates or she creates the CAD design. Mm-hmm. Is there a back and forth with the, customer at this point to get approval or is like i don't know curious about the return policy of a one-time custom product sure so currently we only for 14 carigold pieces and we send the proof to the customer for approval because it is you know a lot higher price point but for brass and sterling silver we do have i mean for all of our product we have a happiness guarantee so if you don't like your product or how it came out we will remake it for you until you're satisfied so i think that does alleviate a lot of the upfront and anxiety yeah that's that's fantastic. And I, I hope, I assume that people who go through the process aren't taking advantage because you, you, there is a little bit more customer work up front, right? They, have to, they generally might have to upload their own image. And so they probably aren't saying, oh, I want this, this, this and tweaked and going back and forth. Yeah, but when um, customers do request it, and it's funny because I'm um, in the past year during COVID, we actually got a lot more customer requests to see the proof. And we'll always send it if they request it. I mean, if they request it, it generally means that they're very particular. And we will go back and forth with them. I remember this one customer, we went back and forth with them like seven times. <laughs> and, but we understand each piece is just, you know, really so important and personal to our customer. So as much as we can, we want to make it perfect for, for them. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's like capsule in a nutshell, so to speak, is like, like this customer experience is so important because it's something that's very personal, intimate to, you know, whatever it is, whatever emotion I'm attaching it to or, or the memory. So I'd love to hear more about how you're crafting the customer experience from the point of like, you know, somebody lands on the site for the first time or sees an ad for the first time all the way through to the post-purchase. Like, how are you building this relationship and, and helping them understand the value and like the emotion attached to Capsule? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the biggest differentiation uh, between Capsule and any other jewelry brand is our storytelling aspect, right? I mean, it's very emotional driven. It's we're, we're story driven, not trend driven. So, so we want to, you don't know, really have a, like a personal like experience for the customer. We, we actually used to have the AI chat bot on our website that really helps with, you know, product recommendation. And then we personalize the site according to um, who you're buying it for, what type of style you like, and, you know, really like the occasion. I mean, do you want to memorialize a a milestone, an anniversary, a handwriting, and and then you know we kind of personalized the experience for you. And right now we're actually working on a po- really customizing the post purchase flow according to the product that you purchase. So because we have really two main lines of products, right? Like one is completely custom, and then the other ones are ready to ship. So I mean those will be kind of like our birthstone or a block collection where you can still customize, but they're ready to ship. 
So then the, the post the post purchase experience is very different because the custom products have a longer lead time of two to three weeks, and you kind of have to handhold the customers through the process because in the Amazon age now that we're in, two to three weeks is like an eternity. You know, for people. So, so we're working on, you know, having really more touch points. So people are not just not hearing from us for like three weeks. Got it. Okay. So they, they purchase the post-purchase. It's, it's almost like reinforcing the purchase decision, creating anticipation, maybe sharing some of those behind the scenes, like the time-lapse or almost like real time. Exactly. Product. So yeah. you can almost, I mean, what we're working, I mean, we can do, definitely do better on this, but what we're working on is like turning a challenge into a positive, you know, a negative into a positive. So, you know, so, so first of all, people are like, oh my God, I got to wait three weeks, but you know, you can really like build up the anticipation of this during those two, um, three weeks, like, oh, your product is being catted and, you know, now it's being printed and now it's being cast and polished. So it's almost like, I mean, it is a jewelry created specifically for you, like uniquely for you. So if you involve the customer in that creation process, I find that they get pretty excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're personalizing the post-purchase journey and you have your pre-designed stuff and then your, your uniquely designed stuff. What are the cohorts that you're sending or the, the flows that you have, the segments for the post-purchase process? Like how does it differ if I purchase first somebody else across the country? Uh, you mean like uh, if you're self-purchasing versus gifting? Or? Sorry, I, I just mean more of like the segmentation of the post-purchase flow. Like how would that differ based and based on what parameters or what right properties? Now, yeah, so right now we're attacking them to the product purchased. So if you are, you know, purchase, purchasing a custom product, then you do get that flow where, you know, you kind of see how your um, products come to life so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, if we're purchasing a ready to ship product, I mean, in general, the product gets shipped out between, you know, one, one to three days. So, so you're not going to that flow. Got it. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been looking into personalization a lot as I've like written it or, or even from a consumer perspective, like studied it. And that's also because I'm working on a, a quiz app and, and that's one of the value propositions is its ability to create a personalized experience. And some of the stats I think are really interesting. And so I can share them now is like how it impacts average order value is that there's a 20% increase in sales with person, a personalized experience. And then 80% are more likely to buy if they have a personalized experience. And then 77% uh, have chosen products due to personalized experiences. And I think that that really speaks to exactly what you're doing. And you mentioned that you had a chat bot on to kind of like gather some information and then personalize the website experience based on what they're looking for, whether they're looking for a gift or buying for themselves or, you know, whatever type of jewelry, earring, necklace, bracelet, whatever. But I'd love to hear the, the results that you saw from that and how you crafted that experience to create a personalized user experience. Yeah, definitely. So I actually really like the chatbot and the team that, I, that we work with. You know, obviously the, the quiz was actually featured on one of your podcasts as one of the best quiz by Alex. But um, what we found was that, you know, since we did position it to be more of a gift concierge service, and um, it, it kind of appealed more to gifters. So we find that people who, you know, are buying it for themselves generally know what they want. And, and so, so, so then it becomes almost like seasonal. 
So the quiz did extremely well during the holiday season. A lot of people were using it. I think it appealed particularly a lot to male who are, you know, needing more help in um, selecting what they think their partner wants. But, you know, during the first quarter of this year, we actually saw a drastic drop in people who were engaging with the quiz and then also like a higher percentage of people who weren't happy with their recommendation. And I feel like, I mean, our hypothesis is like, you know, people who are buying it for themselves generally know what they want. They kind of just want to see if the quiz matches what they want. So, so I think, you know, it, it is definitely more useful during um, gifting season. So we're, we're looking to bring it back during the gifting season. Got it. Okay. And, and when you say bring it back, like you actually deprecated it from the site or you pulled it from the site or is it like you're going to pause campaigns, paid campaigns? Yeah, we're, we're just pausing it for now. And, and the reason for that is that it's actually pretty expensive solutions, like more of an enterprise solution. So if we don't see the ROI, we're, you know, we tend to just kind of like pause it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was a software as a solution, software as a service solution, yeah. and not like a custom quiz. Yeah, no, it was it was custom built for us. And um, that's why it was so expensive. But I don't Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there are a lot of maybe like Shopify plugins or are cheaper solution. And if we did have that, we would probably keep that on. But because in this case, you know, that the cost, the monthly cost was so high. I mean, they typically work with um, much larger companies like Sephora, um, Amica. So so although we really enjoy working with the team that we just didn't see the ROI in the slower season. You know, it's, it's funny, you mentioned that uh, a while ago, and then independently, I'd seen Amica, which is a shampoo brand, right? I think it's loveamica.com. And I think that they have a really great experience. And, you know, you, you might want to check it out because it's a simple hair quiz. The interface of the quiz is a little bit different. It's a, it's a quiz. It's a chatbot. So a little bit, maybe more interactive. And then you can see, you know, as it's processing the next question, the, the little dots is in like, you know, thinking. And then I think the coolest part is you end the quiz, you identify what your hair type is. So, you know, for example, mine would be medium hair maybe, but then every product on the, on the website that is suited for medium hair is highlighted with a little sticker, like good yeah. for you product. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that was our experience as well. Oh, that, that's how Capsule worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very similar because it's the same provider. Yeah, so so once, you know, we, we ask her, like, oh, is this for your sister? What is her style? If, you know, her stuff is more bold versus dainty, then, you know, all of the products will be tagged, like, like selected for you, personalized for you. Yeah, on-site recommendation. Got it. Okay. Uh, interesting. So it's, it's maybe more for, let's say, like, the holidays, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, maybe, and then holidays again, I guess. But yeah, I'd be curious if, if you're able to share, you know, like changes in conversion rate or average order value that yeah, did make yeah. it a positive. Yeah. In the, during the holiday season, I mean, we, in some cases saw a 25 to 30% lift in AOV. Yeah. Yeah. So from people who's interacted with the quiz. So that's why we chose to implement it. But I, yeah, it also has to do with a lot of, a lot with um, just a seasonality and traffic. I think in our instances versus like hair care is, you know, something you buy day in, day out, you know, you're generally buying it for yourself. You know, and then and in our case, it's almost like it's more useful for people who are not buying it for themselves. Yeah. And I, I wonder if hair care, skin care, those things are replenishables. So like the input data, the quiz answers might be more helpful. And especially as there are repeat purchases to kind of like add more color or detail to the customer profile might be right. helpful as opposed to 
capsule, which might be a one-off gift. And then from there, you might be upselling from an earring to a necklace or bracelet or. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think just the test cases, the use case is a bit different. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I think, you know, the, the solution and the problem has to match in this case, I feel like we're, I mean, they, they also told me I'm like the smallest client they have. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you talk about if they're trying to work on customer experience, it's like not the most flattering, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, when you're implementing a solution like that, maybe like a, like a, even a 10% increase in conversion will make a huge difference. Whereas like, if you're like in a lower revenue or traffic segment, then, you know, it doesn't like, it's, it's not going to be a needle mover. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. They actually took me on because they really liked the customization aspect. They're like, oh my God, you're almost exactly who our you know, solution is built for. And they also were very much into the beauty space, beauty skincare space. So that's kind of a hint for you that, you know, like that's really the industry that works the best in. For know, sure. Like that, you know, and but they really wanted to get to know the fashion jewelry industry. So, so, so they actually signed me on as a beta client and I, I was in their beta program for free for a very long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hard to have a par- poor ROI on a free product. Exactly. <laughs> right. They started charging, then I'm like, okay, yeah, oh, this yeah. is too big for me, yeah. <laughs> for my stage, you know, totally. they, so, you know they, they wanted to learn about the jewelry industry and which, which I think they did. So yeah. 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 Good exchange of value. Official. Correct. So yeah, you mentioned that the unit economics of jewelry are great, that, they, that you're still able to get a high margin on products sold. But I'd love to hear more about how that impacts your acquisition strategy in terms of traffic that you're driving to the site, where you know, I, I would think that a product like jewelry is heavily reliant on influencers. And I kind of saw that on your, on your site with different people who wearing it, lifestyle photos and people who have a following. But yeah, if you could just explain a little bit about how you're acquiring customers or how you're even driving traffic to move one step. Sure. sure. So our biggest um, traffic driver is definitely Facebook and Instagram, both organic and paid. And we do work with a lot of influencers because we see them really as not as a conversion strategy, which a lot of people do, but um, we see them as top of the funnel awareness um, where we're not only, and also UGC content. So we used to user do user generated content. Yeah, yeah, correct. So we used to do a lot of big photo shoots that cost tens of thousands of dollars, but now we tend to just work with a lot of micro influencers who we we choose based on their aesthetics, right? So so we really don't value or not value, but like we don't see the number of follower as um, that big of a, I know a lot of people want to pick influencers to work with based on the number of followers, but we really look at their styles because we see them as um, content creators. Mm. Yeah. So, so this is um, actually a way for us to get a lot of user generated content and how we work with them is actually pretty interesting. We, we, we ask them to pitch us um, not only what style they want, but what's the customization that they want. So then we would actually pick the influencers to work with best on the best stories. So because we're such a story-driven brand and we find that, you know, just the more ideas that we throw out there, the more sales we generate. So so te- so a lot of times, you know, when we see, a, you know, an influencer post a really good photo, a holiday car with like love always, then we'll start to get like tons of love always <laughs> orders. And I, 
we just posted yesterday was baseball opening day. So we had a, an influencer who, who was married to a professional baseball player. And um, she made a, a piece with her husband's pro- professional baseball signature. And I swear, like, we have 40 professional baseball signature orders after that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we really use it for idea generation and, um, you know, to like, to inspire our customers with ideas as well as, you know, styling inspirations as well. Yeah. So is it value, like say me, for example, and I I'm, I'm, don't really use Instagram, might have a few hundred people. Like you would use the idea or the image that I submitted to you. And then the value would be for you to repost my post, or is it for me to share it with my you know, few hundred audience that might not move the needle, but is on brand with in terms of style and capsules style. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people work with influencers to tap into their community, but but we actually see most of the value in getting creative assets from you and sharing your story to inspire our customer. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then any tools that you're using, whether it's a software to find the influencers, or is it just kind of like spending a lot of time on the platform and scouring the internet? No, so that is, yeah, too too time consuming. We typically, if it's the first time we're working with an influencer, we like to use um, an agency or platform because if if they're just reaching out to you, we we constantly have tons of influencers reaching mm, to us, but without a really good like contract and process, it's just like a lot of management. Mm -hmm. So we like too. And it's also not a scale, right? So, so if you work through an agency <clears throat> or a platform, you can, you know, do like a campaign where you're gifting 20 people at a time or even 200 people at a time. So it's a lot more scalable and um, there's more accountability because, you know, they're, they're working through an agency and some, in most cases they have rules that, you know, if they don't post within a certain period of time, then they kind of like get a ding from the platform or mm platform drops them from being influencers. So, so it's a lot easier to work with. And then if we like their content, then sometimes we'll work with them directly. Got it. Yeah. One tool or platform that I've come across, and, and I think that they have also really good content is hashtag paid. And so it's kind of like a marketplace for influencers. And I think they might share, you know, like maybe things like what their style is, or of course the, the platforms that they're big on their audience. And then, so it's, it's almost like a, a matchmaking platform. I can't say that I have first person experience with it, but I've heard from various sources and, and definitely spend a lot of time on their site. One option. Uh, there's so many now. I mean, we worked with Grin, we worked with Octoly, Ambassador, Palm. Yeah. A few. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, okay, so Facebook and Instagram are big. And then I'm reading more and more about these changes, you know, like iOS 14, kind of making it harder for Facebook to track users across different platforms or across the web, therefore making it a little bit harder to target potential audiences and create lookalike audiences. And so we might see acquisition costs increasing. Have you considered that in your marketing strategy at all? And have you made any changes preemptively to address that? It's actually been horrible. Oh, it has. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't 
know about the other brands, but since then, uh, our conversion or the attribution um, has gone down with Facebook and um, Instagram. And that is the trend. It's just going to, I think it's just going to get worse, not better. So, I mean, first of all, you can't, you know, really track the sessions through cookies. And then now you hear that, you know, Facebook analytics is also going away. And eventually, I think even the Facebook pixel will go away. So, mm. yeah, so, so we definitely are looking at, I mean, right now there's a short-term fix, you know, of installing the Shopify conversion API. So, so you can kind of track it that way versus Facebook or just relying on Facebook. But I think, you know, I mean, a lot of the other channels, I mean, organic and content is king, in my opinion. So, so we're always trying to find that balance between paid traffic and organic traffic. And so fortunately, we're not 100% relied on paid. Yeah. TikTok has that worked its way in. And, you know, the, I was, that was the immediate challenge channel that I thought about when you're talking about your designer catting it out. It's like, yeah, that would be so cool on TikTok to see a custom jewelry in a minute. It's definitely a channel that we're trying to figure out. I mean, I, I hear it's been amazing for a lot of beauty and fashion brands. So yeah, so we're definitely going to uh, focus on that this year. Got it. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about the team and how you're kind of building a team in a very lean strategic way, utilizing global talent. Maybe there's some global arbitrage in terms of uh, pricing and stuff. Can you just describe the makeup of your team and how you're thinking about building it out to scale into the future? Sure. So we've always had a pretty global uh, workforce that probably came from my experience of having ran a a few companies in Asia. So, So I've always had a global mentality in terms of working with agencies and contractors. For example, we have... We have four full-time hires here in the United States, but um, on the agency and contractor level, you know, a lot of our CAD designers are working out of Eastern Europe, as well as our Shopify developer. We have a mobile app development company that we work with out of Taiwan and our UI UX designers out of Australia. So it's just, you know, we've always been working in a lot of time zones. But recently I've even outsourced some of um, what I consider my, my core team in terms of, you know, production management, order placement and um, customer service to Asia, yeah, to the Philippines. And it's been, it's been great. I mean, at first, I, I think COVID definitely accelerated this whole globalization of the world workforce. In the past, we're, you know, doing a lot of factory visits and those are jobs that I I consider I can't outsource. But during COVID, we actually couldn't go to the factory in our downtown, in downtown Los Angeles at all, because they've, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of shutdown, as you know, and they actually experienced multiple COVID cases during at the factory. Yeah. So, so we've had to work with factory from Rhode Island, you know, places where we cannot visit. So, so we've had to really manage the entire process remote and, and that's actually worked out great. So now, now we're really cutting down our factory visiting time and really making the process more efficient. And if you can do your job behind a computer, you can really be based anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think COVID accelerated a lot of trends, made things a lot harder, but then the upside is maybe that it forced streamlined processes and getting the operations down. And I can't imagine how detail-oriented something like mass customization requires you to be. So, you know, it sounds like you're certainly thriving through it, but I'm guessing it's not easy at all. No, it it actually, I would have to say it's kind of hard to do what we do. (laughs) (laughs) 
pretty hard to do what we do. And that's why most people don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the best defensive competitive mode. Right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The supply chain is quite a lot to manage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing this. The one thing that I, I wanted to finish with is your take on personalization and mass customization, how, how brands can move into it kind of like not of course going the full step that you are with creating one-off products or unique products, but are there ways that that can a brand can dip their toe in personalization to create a unique experience on the website to differentiate from people that might be selling the similar widget as competition increases? I think there's a lot of different value proposition a brand can focus on, you know, in addition to customization. I mean, it, it could be customization in terms of product or experience, you know, the, the buying, the purchasing experience, or it could be really like other angles, like sustain, sustainability, sure. to, you know, like stand out from the competition. So, so customization has been the trend for years now, I would say, and that's going to, going to continue as, you know, the, the, modern consumer nowadays, you know, they want to express their individuality. So, so whether, you know, it's full customization, like our product is, you can, you know, simply personalize by even, you know, your monogram or, you know, stamping or just, you know, little add-ons to make your product or to make the customer feel like it is uniquely made for them. Mm -hmm. It expresses their personality. Totally. And it's something that you mentioned several times and that I know is core to the story, which is the, the brand, the brand narrative. And that that's kind of like your story. And I love how it comes back to you having a daughter and capturing that moment and, and helping others capture moments in jewelry. Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually launching this new technology and really bring the tech enabled aspect of step further. You touched um, upon that a little bit earlier, but we were not like fully launched yet. But we develop also a computer vision app that allows you to upload your favorite memory, whether it's an audio memory or a video memory. And then you can actually scan the jewelry and it'll play back the memory. So yeah, so, so that's really taking customization to a whole new level. You're turning your jewelry into a unique time capsule. That's really cool. So is it a QR code or like a, a barcode? So it's actually our own code. Yeah, we designed um, it and it's patent pending. I mean, like it's similar to the QR code technology, but who wants to wear a QR code, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or who wants to wear, yeah, like a barcode. So we're as actually using edge detection technology um, to generate a unique code. And when you're scanning with the app, it actually is reading it and tr triggering a playback of that specific file. That's so cool. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. And uh, we're, you know, launching with that a memory box feature where it, you can then like really upload all of your important people's names, birthdays, anniversaries, and then you can, you know, kind of like associate a memory clip with it. So for example, for your kid, you know, maybe you can upload the birthday and every year we'll prompt you to create a memory. Maybe you can say something to them and then, and then so you can keep all of your memories in one place ready to make, um, be made into like keepsakes that you can wear, then wear, or, you know, you can, or we're thinking about launching like charms collection where you can have like wear a charm bracelet with a charm representing every year, you know, of your child's life. 
So cool. Well, that is again, beyond the scope of, of most, because it is so unique and I haven't heard or seen anything like that. I think that's so cool. So you are onto something. and I think it's super exciting. Tina, thanks so much for sharing your insights and your experiences. What's the best way, way to find you online? So um, I'm on LinkedIn, Tina Chang, C-H-E-N-G, or, you know, feel free to drop me an email at Tina at capsulejewelry.com. That's spelled C-A-P-S-U-L. So capsule without the E. And um, I'm also on, you know, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> so super accessible. Totally. Instagram. Mother's Day is coming around. Father's Day soon after. Good timing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Capsule yeah. <laughs> of course. Thanks so much, Tina. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line to hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right. See you next time.